Welcome to ROH Strong Podcast. Here is your host, Kevin Eck. What's up, Honor Nation? Welcome to episode 82 of the ROH Strong Podcast, the official podcast of Ring of Honor Wrestling. And my guest today is, well, I don't know exactly how to describe him, actually. Uh, we've seen him do some commentary, and uh, we've also seen him appear in some ads on ROH week by week, in which he was uh, trying to recruit some talent with his 800 number. He is Rocco. Rocco, welcome to the show. Typically, when you describe people, you got to use your words. That's usually how I try to do it. So just, just for next time, just so you know, you know, it's just, that's usually a good way to go. Yeah, I guess it was just hard to find the words to describe mm-hmm. you. So, I mean, I'll just put it out to you. How would you describe yourself? Oh, I'm a great guy. I'm a, I'm, I'm a fascinating individual. I, I, I like to talk. Uh, so, you know, this is why I was looking forward to this today. This is just me talking for a very long time. So, uh, it's right up my alley. Okay. Love the sound of your own voice, do you? Mm. I like it when other people get to hear the sound of my own voice. I see. Alright, well, they're going to hear a lot of it today because we're going to... We're going to take a deep dive into, into Rocco, who Rocco is, because, again, you've made a few appearances here and there, but people don't know a lot about you. Uh, well, let me ask you this first off. Are you any relation to Rocco Rock, Speedball Rocco, or Rocco the puppet who nearly ended the Road Warriors career? So, so you know that first names don't let work like last names. You know that, right? The last name is the relation. The first name is not it. Are you related to, uh, you know, uh, Kevin Bacon? Uh, well, I think we all are six degrees, right? I uh, well, you know, I, are you one degrees away from Kevin Bacon? I don't believe so. Uh, well, okay, I well, there you go. As you, you answer your question, are you, I, well, I, I mean, don't know I, if Rocco was your first name or your last name. It's a first name. It's it, it's my name. I, <laughs> what does it matter? Right. <laughs> it's well, what you, you call go, me. It's my name. You just go by the one name, like like Madonna or Cher. I mean, sure, if you want to put me on that same level of importance, that sounds about right. I'm as important as Madonna. I I feel I've earned that. Well, I said like that in a sense. I didn't say you were necessarily on that level, but who knows? Uh, Maybe maybe one day you'll be on that level. Um, Me, you're going to compliment me and just immediately take it away? I don't like this. Why why, why can't you just let it stand? Let let the good things stand out there, my goodness. Right, well, we're going to talk a lot about your wrestling career and what you're doing here in Ring of Honor and all that. But first, I want to get something out of the way, all right? Because I am a legitimate journalist, as you know, or if you don't know, I'm making you aware. So I have to ask, you know, sometimes tough questions that, that guests may not want to be asked. So let me just put it, this, uh, put it to you this way. There's lots of rumor and innuendo about you having connections, if you know what I mean. Uh, what is your response to that? Well, first of all, you have to pronounce yourself as legitimate. It's usually kind of compensating for something. But no, I got great connections. I got the Wi-Fi up and running. That's why we're talking to you right now. I think there's some of that green light stuff's coming into the neighborhood soon. So my connection's about to get even better. I am excited. (laughs) 
that you know uh, those weren't really the connections I was talking about. Um, oh yeah. I'm I'm thinking of see I didn't want to use this this word but I, I guess I'll use it to make myself clear. Underworld. 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 Yeah. Why would you uh, Why would you assume this? I don't understand. What What makes you think I would have some sh- shady connections with others? I like oh. that. I, I don't I don't get this. Well, no. Let me Let me make it clear. I'm not saying this or assuming this. I'm. This is just the rumor and innuendo that I'm hearing. See, this is this. Oh, is so you are a legitimate journalist that doesn't fact check your sources and just throws out all sorts of random things that you hear from other people and assume it's fact. This is. We're off to a great start here. I can see how legitimate you are. <laughs> this is fantastic. <laughs> no, I'm not making any assumptions. Well, here, here's, I'll let you in on a little, little trick of the trade here. See, this is how us legitimate journalists can ask questions without putting the heat on ourselves. That's why we, we don't say, I heard, you know, I think this, or I assume this. It's, this is what we are hearing. So okay. What, okay. What, I mean, you didn't really answer the question though. And it was not really a good question. I don't, I don't know. Like, I, you know, <laughs> like, even if I was, why would that be something I would admit to on a podcast that a lot of people are going to hear? Like, this is like, I, you know, people refer to themselves as different types of mafias. It always makes me cringe. Like, the mafia never wanted you to know they were in the mafia. They're doing things. But if, you, if somebody was in the mafia, you just knew because that wasn't a person you should cross. I mean, this is not something you would readily advertise. Would you, would, would you think so? I mean, would you think this is something you'd regularly advertise if you had these type of connections? I would not, but see, I still had to do my duty and ask the question, just, just to present it to you and, and get your response to, to whatever it is. I haven't really heard you deny it. Well, maybe next time as a legitimate journalist, you should just come up with some better questions. You've got some practice right now. we got time. We've got stuff. You can rebound. You've okay. got some time to recover from this one, so okay. let's go. Let's go for that. All right. Well, let's 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 put that aside and, and let's just talk about what you're doing here in Ring of Honor. Uh, what are your goals in Ring of Honor? What, what do you uh, to make some money? I <laughs> oh, just like everybody else, you know. Um, in a way, there's a lot of talented folks in the Ring of Honor, men and women that are hungry and competing for titles, and not all of them can do it on their own. So. Uh, uh, you, you know, with some game theory there, you know, you add me to the uh, to, to, to to your ringside quorum there. And, um, you know, sometimes two minds can be better than one. And it's an easier way to cash out for everybody involved, you know. Okay. Well, I, I'm going to ask you this. Uh, last month, you sat in on commentary with Ian and Capri. And at, at, wait, b- before I get to that point, um, I want to ask you about about that in particular, sitting in on commentary. Uh, who invited you actually to do commentary? And second part of my question is, why do you always cut off Caprice when Ian asks him a question? I mean, you don't always need to be invited to go to things. Like if there's a wedding occurring, you don't need to be invited. You just go and sit down and have a good time. Enjoy the people. Enjoy their company, right? I mean, so invitations come and go, you know. Um, I, honestly, it's a very big building that, you know, we operate in. Sometimes you get lost um, and sometimes you get found. And on certain days, I found the commentary desk and there's an empty headset there. So uh, clearly somebody needed to pick that up. There was there for somebody and nobody was there. So I figured, you know, why not myself? Um, and, uh, you know, like, uh, why do I answer the questions that, uh, uh, Ricky Bones asked Caprice. 
Well, honestly, I had fantastic answers. And um, if I don't answer at that point, uh, then you will never hear them. And that's an opportunity. There's a fleeting. They come and they go. Um, so I wanted to make sure that I took full advantage of that. And Caprice, he gets to answer things all the time. He's a sage and he's very wise. And I'm very grateful that we get to hear his input and his commentary on a regular basis is very important for us. But, you know, he gets a lot of it. Rocco only gets a very little. So, you know, you got to take those chances when they come. Okay. So what I'm hearing is you just, you went through the wrong door. You, you turned left when you should have turned right. And you found yourself at the commentary table and just figured, hey, I'll just sit down and, and start doing commentary. Hey, you know, good things happen when you just start walking in a direction, you know. Sometimes you just got to start walking. <laughs> Okay. All right. Well, the main thing I was getting to was uh, last month when you sat in uh, with Ian and Caprice, it was during a match uh, that we saw on week by week, and it was two competitors making their Ring of Honor debuts. It was Matt Mikowski, who is a former MMA fighter, and it was Ativalu, who is a relative uh, of the Wild Samoans, was trained by the Wild Samoans. And after the match, we saw you approach Mikowski on the stage, uh, but it looked like he just <laughs> kind of blew you off and walked away. Um, what, what was going on there? He didn't blow me off. He was walking towards the back in, in that direction. And I went up to go say hello and talk to the man. And so he, we, we were walking together. I was catching up to him. It wasn't, he wasn't blowing me off. You got to go and review the tapes, right? Um, it, yeah. All right. It looked like he saw you coming and, and walked and walked away, but maybe he maybe. was walking towards the back. Where do you want him to go? Did you want him to walk back towards the ring? I, I don't understand. <laughs> okay. All right. Well, here's another one of those questions where I'm going to, I'm not going to say rumor and innuendo, but I'm going to say I've heard from uh, my backstage sources that you may have already gotten your hooks into Matt Mikowski. Can you confirm or deny? Even though we saw him seemingly walk away, or maybe he didn't walk away, uh, I, I've heard that that there might be some kind of relationship there. Uh, can you confirm or deny that? You know, you could just ask me questions that you have without trying to blame it on a source. You know, it's just it's <laughs> it sounds like these are just questions you have. Like I, I don't know that you have any actual rumors or anyone. Though you're just asking questions. You know, it would actually save a lot more time and more time for me to talk if you didn't have to go preface everything that way. I would appreciate that. You know, give me some kind of respect here. Um, but I mean, if, if that did occur, why would I tell you? <laughs> there are some things for me to know and you to find out. Um, for all you know, I could be talking to Ativalu too. I mean, he was a, he's a big dude. Um, and no there's a lot you can do with a man that size in the ring. Oh, my goodness. I, I can make him a champion as, as, just as easily as I could make um, Matt Mikowski a champion, right? Um, I think both fighters were incredible in the ring. Uh, uh, Mikowski, obviously, with that MMA background, can neutralize a size advantage um, that somebody else will have because he knows how to work the body parts and how to get you down and how to make you scream for pain. And IT, I mean, you can't teach size. He's a big dude. That's intimidating. That That's uh, something that can, you know, you can create space. You, you got a reach advantage. You got a power advantage. It takes a lot more to hurt a big man than to hurt a little man, right? So, um Either one, you know, I, I walked away with Matt Mikowski because he was the winner. He had the good day, of course, you know. So, and on that particular day, he, he had the advantage, right, as any smart person would do. I feel that's reasonable. 
Um, uh, but Atiyavalu, I mean, once again, a fantastic competitor in his own right. And um, who knows? I might be talking to him too, you know? Okay. Well, I guess you could, you know, you could look at it two ways. Of course, you would want to go talk to the winner. Uh, that would be good for you to, to get the winner of the match. But I guess looking at it from the other point of view, if Matt Mikowski already won the match without you, uh, what would he really need you for? Whereas Ativalu lost the match, maybe he would need you uh, to win the match the next time, perhaps. I'm just, I'm just wondering, what a, a guy like Matt Mikowski, who, like I said, he, he's got an MMA background. Clearly, anyone who's watched him, if they watch that match, this guy has all the tools to be a star in pro wrestling. Why would Matt Mikowski need Rocco? What, what, what can you offer a guy like that? How can you That's like saying, why would somebody need more money? I mean, you got money. You have money on yourself. But do, do you want more money? Of course you do. And I mean, anybody could want Rocco. Anybody could use Rocco, right? Yeah, you got to win over Atiyabalu. That's, that's fantastic. That's freaking great. However, that's one win in one match, uh, on one Ring of Honor, you know, a segment, right? Uh, you want to get multiple wins. You, you want to go against the best that Ring of Honor has to offer, right? And while Atiyavalu is great, he's no Josh Woods. He's no Jonathan Gresham, you know. He's no Matt Taven or Mike Bennett. Uh, he's no uh, Vinny Massalia. I guess he's Vincent now. Oh, it makes me so mad he dropped that name. My name's so good I can name a pasta dish after it. Now he's... Mind is freaking gone with the righteous. But these are the men um, that these are bringing that high competition over in Ring of Honor. And um, of course, um, uh, somebody like Matt Mikowski or even at, at, uh, Atiyavalu could use uh, my assistance um, in, in going and uh, trying to conquer those frontiers. Okay. All right. Fair enough. Well, let's, let me ask you this question. Other than, say, Matt Mikowski or Atiyavalu, uh, we just use those two examples because you sat in on commentary for that match and, and obviously you were interested in both guys or they piqued your interest. What other talent uh, might you have your eye on in, in Ring of Honor? Who, who uh, there is a wealth you? of talent. I mean, there is the entire ROH dojo, my goodness, uh, all the people involved there. Um, unfortunately, Kenny Dixon and um, O'Shea have gone their separate paths with that, you know, separate stables. It's unfortunate for me because, my goodness, both those guys are insanely talented. I would love uh, to, to help uh, lead the way for either of those two. But then you got Eric Martin, you got Dante Caballero, you got Rio, you got Primal Fear. Um, a lot of really good talent, South talent coming out of the ROH dojo. Um, and, on, and on top of that, we just had this women's tournament, right? Um, and if you look at the bracket for that, that's just a giant Rolodex of fantastic talent that ROH showcased uh, for those few weeks uh, leading up to crowning a new champion. And uh, I would love to manage any one of those ladies to um, go set that little prodigy in her place, you know? Um, and uh, there's just money to be made everywhere. Okay. Well, how about this? Let me, let me throw this one out. Uh, instead of managing a challenger for the champion, Roxy, what about, you know, starting right at the top? What about becoming Roxy's manager? You know, she doesn't have a manager. You, you, you know, it's just, it's hard to convince somebody at the top that they need services like that. She's making money on her own. She's doing fine. And if I was in her spot, I'd turn me down too. Like, why, why would she need to split that, right? Um, so right, right now, there's just, uh, I, I, I could see, 
why she wouldn't see that would be a profitable decision for her. And honestly, it wouldn't be a profitable decision for her. Down the line, she hit some speed bumps. She loses that title. Uh, she wants to get back into that. She's got a bad month or two, you know, in a row. Then maybe she comes talks to me and wants to get back on top, right? If she, she needs a pathway to get um, to kind of change things around. She needs to change, change her pace. But right now, um, she's a fantastic talent. She's doing great things in the ring. Um, and you know, she's better off on her own. And even then I would probably tell her, you know, I said, Hey, you know, keep doing this thing on your own. Um, cause there's more money to be made for me on the other side right now, bringing up challenges against her cause she's a fantastic champion. Right. Um, and, and that's, what's going to make the money. That's the, that's the money fight you're looking for. Right. So as there's more money to be made on the other side for me. And I think, uh, as for her, it's just doing her own thing right now on her own. Okay. All right. Well, I want to ask you about that 800 number. Uh, I'll tell you this much, Rocco. They were very entertaining spots where you were putting out your 800 number, 1-800-ROCCO. Give you a little plug here. Uh, where, you, you know, people who wanted your business services could contact you. I'm just curious. Did you get a lot of uh, reaction from that? Did, did a lot of people reach out to you? Because obviously at this point, we haven't seen you manage anybody. So, I mean, I guess I can only assume that you really didn't get a lot of, uh, a lot of calls. Am I, am I right? I, well, it, these things take time when you have hundreds upon hundreds of people reaching out to you for your services. Cause my goodness, why wouldn't they? Oh, oh, so, a you did, so you did, you did get a lot of responses. Oh, hundreds, maybe thousands. I, 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 I'm still counting. I, I, I don't even know. Like I'm, I'm trying to make spreadsheets and spreadsheets, you know, and then computers are crashing. There's so much information I got to put in there and I got to go vet through. And, you know, some people like just freaking Yahoo's trying for something. You got to throw those people out. A lot of people are actually really good, but then, if you've got a lot of really good people, you got to pick and choose because you can't do, you, there's only so many hours in a week, right? Only so many weeks in a year. You can't do everything, right? Um, so it's a process, you know? Uh, and uh, it, these things take time. They take time to go through all that. I mean, I, I don't know if you've ever had to deal with anything like that before. Uh, I'm guessing not. Uh, but, you know, when you have hundreds of people, thousands of people calling upon you, you, you got to do justice to every one of them. Okay. Well, what, you know, I got to say, I'm surprised. I really didn't, uh, I'm surprised that many, you know, no, no, uh, no offense to you. I'm, I'm just surprised that many, that many people reached out because you, you are kind of an unknown quantity at this point. Uh, in, I don't understand why you're surprised. You got all these sources telling us all this rumor and innuendo. I figured you would have known that by now. Uh, maybe, maybe your sources aren't as good as you thought they were. I, I'm just saying. Yeah. All right. Well, let me be, let me, full disclosure, I, I called the 800 number and uh, I couldn't get through. The line was, was seemed like it was disconnected. It's just, it's just the mailbox was probably full when you tried to call it. That, that's probably uh, what happened. That, that, that I, I have been getting that feedback and I think that's unfortunate. That's what happened to a lot of people. Yeah. Oh, geez. That sucks because how many, how many um, calls may, you know, have, man, that could have been some great prospects calling you up that you might've missed, but I mean, once again, but there are great prices that got through. So, I mean, you can't, uh, you can't uh, cry over the spilled milk you don't know about, right? So that's, that's true. All right. Well, yeah, I'm, I'm very curious. I'm sure like all the uh, ROH fans are to see uh, who exactly will actually accrue uh, Rocco's services and, and what exactly you can do for them. I think we're all very anxious to see that. I mean, we've heard you talk and clearly you talk a good game. We've heard you on TV and like I said, on, on week by week, we hear you today. You talk a very good game, but you know what the saying is, Rocco, you know, talk is cheap. We got to see actions. So I'm very anxious to see what you can do. Well, I don't know about that. I've made a lot of money by talking in the past. <laughs> <laughs> a lot of good money. <laughs> All right. Well, hey, man, if you get paid by the word, you'd you be a millionaire. 
my Maybe goodness. you are a millionaire. I don't know. You got you to go back to those sources of yours. You don't. You, it seems like you don't know a lot right here. I'm absolutely for all the sources you got here. All right. Well, no, I'm, 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 that's why you're on here, so I can get answers. All right. Well, we're gonna uh, we're off to a great start here, I think, uh, with Rocco. We're gonna take a break, and we'll be back with more right after this. <laughs> It's been fun playing wrestling with y'all. But we got something even better. Honor Nation, it's the ROH Wrestling Honor Pals. The body slamming, drop kicking way to keep the fun going. We need some tougher competition. The Puddle Bucko. Jay Trevor. She's the new Honor Pals champion. ROH Wrestling Honor Pals. Bring home your favorite star at shophonor.com. This is the Mile High Magnum Dak Draper of Ring of Honor Wrestling inviting you to final battle. Ring of Honor's ultimate pay-per-view show of the year. It returns to Baltimore's Chesapeake Employers Insurance Arena on Saturday, December 11th. Final battles available on pay-per-view and streaming live on Honor Club. Keep it locked into ROHwrestling.com and ROH's social media channels for on-sale information so you can join us in Baltimore. All right, we are back on the ROH Strong Podcast talking with the inimitable Rocco. Uh, you know what that word means? Define that word for me. Well, you, you can't be imitated. <laughs> okay. Yes? No? <laughs> oh, my goodness. Okay, we're having fun. Go ahead. Continue. <laughs> All right. Let, let's go way back here. Let, let's tell your story, okay? Where, where did little Rocco grow up? Little Rocco, um, I was uh, upstate New York. Okay, and I'm guessing, did you become a wrestling fan at a at a young age? What are your earliest memories of it? So earliest, yeah, I mean, yeah, like most little kids, you know, you're watching the the Saturday morning cartoons. Uh, I can't remember what was on back then, but uh, you, you know, and you, you you stumble across wrestling. I think it was Saturday morning superstars, like probably how everybody. Um, it gets involved one way or another. And, uh, but so I haven't watched it ever since very little kid. Uh, the very first match I actually remember, I have memories of, and I know I was watching it before this, but I, you know, nothing concrete. Um, uh, Bret Hart and Mr. Perfect SummerSlam 91, uh, where Bret Hart won the title. Uh, I, I, that's the very first match I, I can remember actually just, you know, going through watching Bret Hart win, uh, put the sharpshooter on Mr. Perfect. And yeah, and then from that point on, it's off to the races, right? So. Yeah. That, well, that match you talked about right there, a great match. I remember that match vividly. That was, uh, I think that was the match that uh, Mr. Perfect, if I'm not mistaken, he, he took some time off after that. I think he had a bad back or something like that, but uh, yeah, outstanding match for sure. I could see where you would be hooked uh, watching that one. Uh, well, let, let's move forward a little bit. Um, at what age did you decide, and, and I'm not talking about like a little kid saying, Hey, I want to be a wrestler one day. I'm talking about at what age did you decide, like, this is a real thing for me. I want to be in the business in some capacity. This is something I want to pursue as a career. I mean, I, th those are all different ages. Those, those are all different points. Right. So, okay. um, it's, it's more of a journey. It's more of a process. And I don't think, you know, it, it becomes more than a dream until you, get into it and you really understand what the ends and the outs are because um, it's tough. It's a tough journey and it's, it's not easy, right? Uh, when I was probably around 18 years old, that's um, 
I know there was a local indie promotion and I wanted to be involved with that. I had a friend who was involved, so he brought me down there and um, didn't know really what I was going to do there yet. Um, but they they needed a referee, so they had me get in the ring and just, you know, um, ref uh, like a, a, match or two, a match or two that was going on. And they said, hey, you're our ref from now. And I was like, oh, okay, cool. And obviously, I wasn't the ref. There were other referees there, but they had me as a ref, and so I started out as a referee um, for, for at least a few years there. Um, and then kind of after seeing that, and that's actually a really good way to kind of start and get, get yourself started because it's better than a front row seat. You're actually in the ring. You see what these athletes go through um, and what they have to do in, in efforts to compete and fight and, and, and win the matches. Um, and you get to learn a lot about, you know, what entails everything off uh, into a wrestling match there. Um, and then later on in my 20s, I, I started um, training. Uh, t- to be a wrestler, I've had some matches, so I uh, got, got my butt kicked quite a few times. <laughs> and, you know, it's just, um, it's not, not the fun part about it, but, you know, you're learning, you're getting through. And then probably when I was around 30, 31, you know, I was, it's like, okay, um, settle in and really just try to be a manager. Now I got the know-how of being in and, in and out of the business for about maybe 10 years at this point. Um, and... I have knowledge of what's going on, but competing for the titles myself, probably not in the cards, you know, after, um, after, after going down that route. And so I wound up at the monster factory, um, uh, went to a, um, a training camp there. And just to let you know how the wrestling wasn't going to work. I separated my shoulder at that camp. (laughs) Um, and so, um, I, 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 I talked talk to Danny Cage. He let me come down the month afterwards because I wasn't able to fully complete in that camp. Um, cut a promo for him at the very next camp. And then he said I should be down there more often. Um, and then I didn't miss a show for the next two years. So I would drive about five and a half hours away one way. So it was an 11-hour round trip every weekend or every other weekend for a couple of years uh, to get out there and uh, participate at the Monster Factory. And Danny Cage was wonderful in, in giving me that platform and that opportunity to grow um, and shine uh, at, at his shows out there. Um, and then from my time at the Monster Factory, I was able to get into um, a Ring of Honor Dojo tryout. My first one was um, at the, the last one they did in Philadelphia. Um, and also the last one before they put air conditioning in that building. My goodness, it was, <laughs> it was like 106 degrees in there. Oh, we were all melting for an entire freaking weekend. But so I had that hours do- Dojo tryout. Um, and then the net, the following year, the first year in Baltimore, I went back and tried again. That's how I became part of the ROH dojo. Um, so I would say probably right when time I was going to the monster factory, that's when I had kind of learned enough at the start and kind of honed in on what my specific talents were and where I would be able to fit into the business, where I'd be able to make money in the business. And, um, that's kind of led me to where I am today. I want to go back to, uh, when you were refereeing. Because I'm curious what kind of referee you were. And here, stay with me here for a second. I was a great referee. Well, I'm thinking, you know, back in the day, this might be a little before your time, but back in the 80s, there was a referee in the World Wrestling Federation named Danny Davis. Yeah, he was, I know of him. He was a little before my time, though, watching him. But yeah, I, I do know of Danny Davis. Yeah, he had a unique refereeing style, let's say. And then there was uh, Nick Patrick. I'm talking about uh, Nick Patrick during the NWO years. Uh, the max, mass referee, yep. Yeah, yeah. Now, each of those guys, I would say, didn't exactly call it down the middle 
Uh, I'm guessing that maybe, perhaps, Rocco was that type of referee, or, or am I off base here? I, I mean, not to take anything away from Danny Davis and Nick Patrick, they're both fantastic and fine referees, but they let ulterior motives get in the way, right? Um, and if you're there to do a job, you do the job. You do that specific job to the best of your abilities. And um, it, letting those ulterior motives get in the way, that, that, that takes away from what you're there to do. Um, if I was the referee nowadays, I have great respect for, for the referee position, right? especially um, within, you know, Ring of Honor itself. So, you know, Todd Sinclair and um, Joe Mandak and some other referees that have been there, um, it, you know, it um, – for me to run a distraction play against a referee of that caliber, that's, um, that takes a lot. That's a lot of effort on my part to set that up and to pick my spots correctly because um, they, they have, um, uh, they, they, they have a, a really good view of the ring there. They know what they're doing. Uh, they've seen a lot. They know all the ins and outs. They've, they've known how people try to trick them in the past. It's very hard to pull something over them, you know, with the caliber of referee they are. Um, and so I don't take that lightly. I don't disrespect the job. And, um, you know, one thing I, I tell, you know, anybody that I manage is, hey, don't ever want to select me as a special guest referee. Ha ha, you think that's going to be a good advantage? No, <laughs> I'm going to ref the match. If I'm, a, if I'm going to guest referee a match, I'm going to ref it. And that, that might not come into your favor. You're better off with me on the outside trying to, get, you know, give you a little advantage when I can see it here or there because there's going to be no advantage for you if, if I'm refing in that, right? Um, so, no, great respect for the referee position, and I would not do it a disservice um, by trying to compromise a, a match uh, in that way, right? That, that, that wouldn't fly. Okay. Well, that's good to hear. So you, you, have, uh, you believe in integrity, the, de- the integrity of the referee, if you were the one wearing the striped shirt. But I heard something in your answer there about trying to run a distraction uh, from the outside, trying to get things over on the referees, such as, uh, senior official Todd Sinclair. Uh, that doesn't seem like the most honorable thing to do. I mean, this is ring of honor. There is a code of honor, uh, but you're willingly, you're, you're admitting, right. That, that you would try to circumvent the rules to give your man or woman, whoever you might be managing an unfair advantage. Is that, is that what I'm hearing? Correct. I mean, well, what's your definition of honor? Well, I believe honor, I, a word I used just a few uh, seconds ago, integrity. I think uh, honor means uh, playing by the rules and uh, sportsmanship and all those things that, that Ring of Honor has been uh, founded on, those principles. So what kind of integrity would I have if I didn't do everything possible on my abilities to help my client win a match? Within There's no the integrity rule. in that. If, if I could do more, if, if I could do more than just, you know, just stand there like a bump on a freaking log, then I'm going to do that. That's what I'm there to do. That's what I'm hired to do. Um, honor has many definitions. Honor can mean many things to many different people, right? Uh, we're there to win the matches. We're there to win the championships with that. We're there to make money. And the ambition, if, if, if we hold back from that, right, if we take away um, the, all the possible avenues and all the possible things we could be doing, to, to fulfill that ambition and to, to fulfill that destiny as a champion, right, as a winner, uh, then we're doing a disservice to people. And that's not honorable, right? That there, there's some dishonor to that. Um, so, yeah, honor is a word that can come in many shapes and sizes, right? So just because uh, you believe honor is a certain way and you paint a certain picture with your particular color of honor, that doesn't mean I'm wrong. 
Um, it's just, it's just uh, two, two ways of seeing uh, two, two sides of the same coin there, you know? Okay. Well, hey, you know what? I learned something today. I learned that there's, a, there's more than one definition of honor. More than of one course you learn things. You're talking to me. I am a highly intelligent guy. You should talk to me more often. It'd look better on you. I, I'm assuming <laughs> I'm talking to you earlier. My goodness. Well, hey, I won't take that away from you. I think you are an intelligent guy. and uh, Of course you do. <laughs> I think you're uh, very street smart as well. I'm going to give you that compliment. I think you know all the angles, Rocco. That, no, you no comment on that? No, you, you summed it up correctly. I, no, I don't have – you told me that. I don't know all the angles. Why would I need to add to that? That was perfect. That was good. <laughs> okay. All right. You are correct. All right. I didn't not, need to correct you that time. So, yeah, we're good. Not, not sure that was really a compliment, but, uh, yeah, I guess it could be. I guess it could be. All right. Well, you mentioned that you actually uh, – this is something I didn't know, that you actually trained to be a pro wrestler. I did not know that. And I will say this, uh, no disrespect to you, um, I didn't have you pegged as a, as a real um, athletic uh, type person uh, or, or a tough guy. I really didn't. Uh, maybe that was my false, uh, you know, I was maybe judging the book by the cover. I don't know. But I have respect for anyone who trains for pro wrestling, who gets in there, uh, puts their body on the line. You mentioned you, you suffered a separated shoulder. But I'm, I'm curious, how did you fare as a wrestler? What was uh, estimation of your, uh, your win-loss record? <laughs> One sixty, I don't know. <laughs> like uh, that's why I'm managing, buddy. It's just it's okay. uh, you know it's uh, no, it's just, I, you know you do. There is some athletic you know ability over here, right? Um, I, obviously, I'm not on the caliber of those men and women that are in Ring of Honor. Fantastic athletes across the board, and absolutely, I would you you are correct. I would not be able to keep up with those uh, participants in the ring. You're fantastic. Um, and so, um, while it, I do have a little athletic ability, right, I, I, can, I can mix it up a little bit. It's just not on that level, right? Um, and so, that's just why I, I fell into that managerial role. So, Okay. Right. I believe there's a saying, right? If you can't do, teach. Isn't that how that saying goes? Absolutely. Uh, and, you know, having my back on in the ring, like, I know what it's like to be in the ring. I know what it's like to take these moves. I know what it's like to be in pain after being in the ring for five minutes with somebody and knowing like, Oh my goodness, how am I going to get out of this? So uh, and having that knowledge, it's, I can, I'm in a better spot to be there with the person that I'm managing in the ring. Um, as opposed to somebody who just doesn't know what they're going through. Hey, go do this. You know, well, you no, know, you don't know what you're talking about. It's like, well, no, I do know what I'm talking about. I have been in that spot. You know, I, I have been face down on the canvas getting my butt kicked before, but you know, you are, are, are better than I ever was. So while, me personally, that was just three seconds away from a pinfall and out of there, you know, you can come back from this. You can get better and we're going to, we're going to fight through this. Well, actually, I think it's good that you can, uh, you know, you have mixed it up and you can't handle yourself a little bit because I got this feeling. Uh, if you keep cutting, if you keep sitting in on commentary and cutting off Caprice Coleman, he may, he may lose his cool with you. And I don't think. Oh, he... I'm not worried about Caprice. He ain't going to waste his knuckles on me. I'm a nothing to him. My goodness. <laughs> You, you've seen what Caprice can do in the ring. You've seen his athletic ability, right? He ain't going to waste his time on me. That's, that's not – I said, he's a sage. He's wise, right? With, with, that, with his age and experience comes a lot of wisdom. And for him to hit me, that's going to do more damage to his hand than it's going to do to my face, right? And so it's just like <laughs> – because it's going to be one shot. It's going to be down. Why risk that, right? So it's just like, ah, I'm not worried about Caprice. Okay. Well, yeah, we're in complete agreement. You know, I think for once, I, I agree with everything you just said there. You should uh, agree with me more often. It'd look better on you. 
<laughs> All right. Well, let's let's put Caprice to the side. As you said, Caprice probably not worth him, not worth it for him to to, to waste his time. And that's your own words with you. But what about uh, what do you call Ian? Ricky, Ricky, Bones. Ricky Bones. Uh, Ian, what about? Uh, I mean, there's another <laughs> guy. I mean, we all love Ian, and Ian's a you know easygoing guy and everything. But I've noticed that he gets frustrated when you. Uh, he seems to be annoyed when you sit in on commentary, uninvited, uh, as we as we talked about earlier. And you know what, Ian, Ian, I, I can handle himself as well. I saw Ian drop an elbow, Randy Macho Man Savage style, on the Mecca Brian Johnson. So you you may maybe you don't have to worry about Caprice. Maybe he wouldn't, you know, as you said, waste his time with you. But. Whoa, whoa, whoa! Why are you trying to do Brian Johnson dirty like that? Why are you doing the Mecca dirty like that, huh? Whoa, oh whoa, no, whoa, I'm just. Why is that coming into play here? Oh, uh, you no, talk I'm... about the elbow drop. That no, shut up. You talk about the elbow drop that Ian uh, Ricky Bones, you know, threw threw on Mecca. How about you preface it? How about you say Colt Cabana beat the snot out of uh, Mecca before that, right? Colt Cabana, amazing competitor, of course. And then there was three other guys that had a chance at Mecca. And then, and then, Ricky Bones drops the elbow. It's not just like, oh, man, Ricky Bones took out Mecca and now he gave him an elbow drop. No. Mecca was depleted. Mecca was hurt because it was a four-on-one, five-on-one beatdown, and that allowed Ricky Bones to drop the elbow, okay? You and your integrity, journalistic nonsense, whatever, you just throw in the random facts out there you want. How about you throw out all the facts, huh? Full facts. Um, every single one of the facts that are in there. Don't go and do Mecca dirty like that. What are you doing? You are a bozo. No, I didn't, no, no, there's no need to call names, Rocco. And I didn't mean to... Uh besmirch the Mecca. Well, maybe I did. You know what? Because he's been, he hasn't been very nice to me. I mean, we had him. Well, on I can podcast. see why. I can obviously why he wouldn't be nice to you. After this conversation, I wouldn't be nice to you either if I were him. Well, I didn't really say anything that wasn't true. I mean, Ian did drop the big elbow, Randy Savage style. Um, maybe I didn't. See, here's another, here's another journalist thing. Sometimes I'll let you in on a little, another little secret here. Sometimes we do have an agenda and I didn't lie. So your agenda is to attack Mecca, to attack Brian Johnson, to make him look bad. That doesn't make me very happy. I'm not a fan of that. Yeah. Okay. Well, I can say that without fear of reprisal because I know Mecca doesn't listen to this podcast because he hates me and hates the podcast. So the and only way understandably so. And the only way he'll find out is if uh, is if you rat me out. But you don't. I have a feeling you have a code and, and you don't like rats. That so I'm I'm gonna. I'm going to hang my hat on that, that you'll, you'll keep. Well, the- after this conversation, I don't know if I like you. I don't know if I, I'm not going to waste my time talking about this. Why, why would I? It doesn't need to have any more light of the day. Just know, like, if you're going to preface something, you know, how about you give the full story of why Mecca was lying down, uh, you know, and not do him that disrespect. Okay. All right. You know what? Fair enough. You may, you may have a point there. You may have a point. All right. Well, this seems like a good time to take our second break. Uh, we're, I'm going to try to feel like we're going off the rails a little bit here. Rocco and I are, are, are getting off on the wrong foot, but I'll try to bring it back uh, after this break. Want to hear post-match interviews from tonight's competitors? Want to see exclusive brand new matches? Want to learn about breaking news before anyone else? Week by Week is the perfect companion to everything that happens on ROH TV. It premieres every single Tuesday at 1 p.m. Eastern on the official ROH YouTube page. That's youtube.com slash ring of honor. Stay informed on the best wrestling on the planet. I'll see you there. Ring the bell. 
This is the Mecca, Brian Johnson of Ring of Honor Wrestling, inviting all you bozos to final battle, Ring of Honor's biggest pay-per-view show of the year. It returns to the UMBC campus live on Saturday night, December 11th. Final Battle is available on pay-per-view and streaming live on Honor Club. So keep it locked in to ROHWrestling.com, bozos, for ticket on sale information so you can join us. All right, we are back on the RRH Strong podcast. Uh, Rocco, I want to maybe pull the pull the curtain back uh, a little bit. Uh, we talked about you going to the, uh, to the ROH Dojo. Uh, kind of learning uh, the, the tricks of the trade, so to speak. Um, and, at, at, you know, going back to the Monster Factory as, as a manager. Uh, what do you, managing is really kind of, I would say, a lost art uh, in pro wrestling. I mean, there was a time when, when managers were very, very prevalent uh, in pro wrestling. I remember uh, when I was growing up and you know, I started watching wrestling in the 70s and 80s as a young kid and you know, growing up in the old WWF territory uh, in Baltimore, you know, Grand Wizard and Captain Lou Albano and Fred Blassie, the three managers, the three heel managers, uh, were a huge part of the WWF. And the heels kind of came in and out, right? They were, it was like a rotation of heels, but the managers were always, they were, they were the stabilizing force. They were always there. Uh, but why do you think, let me ask you your opinion, why do you think that managers that were so, so prevalent at a time, uh, again, during the territory days, kind of got phased out uh, at one point in wrestling. I think a lot of it had to do with the faction era, uh, of the, of the Attitude Era. Um, it, yeah, because in the early 90s growing up, it wasn't any different for me. Um, I mean, you had Slick and Jimmy Hart, Bobby the Brain Heenan was still around at the time, uh, Harvey Whippleman, um, into the early 90s, Johnny Polo, and then into the Cornette era. Right. Um, so there was a lot of really good talkers and good managers back then. But once you got into the attitude era, once everybody kind of factioned off, um, I'll use the nation, a uh, dominational example. I love the nation, a, a great faction. Um, but you take a look at the members involved in that, you know, D'Lo Brown, who I was, oh, D'Lo Brown was probably my favorite growing up when I was a kid. Um, and uh, Mark Henry and, and the Godfather, comma, right? Uh, before, this is pre-Godfather, right? So it was just, it was just comma. Um, yeah. Any one of those three guys, Mark Henry, D'Lo, or Kama, probably could use the manager. I think that would have helped out their presentation. It would have, would have, would have helped, um, you know, uh, move the stories along and all that. But they had either Rocky or Farouk that were able to talk to them. And Rocky or Farouk always spoke for the nation. And, um, so they didn't need a manager because they had wrestlers involved in that stable. Um, to go talk for them, right? Um, and then as you moved forward, um, you could see the, some, there are some talents, you know, obviously who, who could have benefited from the help of the manager, but a lot of them um, moving forward were good on their own and just and being that on their own. Now you still had some like, uh, you know, Brock Lesnar with Paul Heyman, man, oh, whoa, whoa, whoa. <laughs> that was an amazing package, the two of them together, my goodness. Um, uh, but uh, we kind of strayed away from that, though. I, I agree. And I think that was kind of the start of it and where, where it went downhill, where you were trying to find ways to, 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 to move the microphone along without having that, that side piece necessarily there. Who, who were some of the uh, – I mean, you already mentioned some managers there, but um, who specifically – I won't say – who did you maybe borrow from? Uh, who, you know, influenced you to where you said, now, you know, you're not that I want to copy that person, 
but I want to take maybe a little bit from here, a little bit from there, and kind of make it my own. Uh, who, who were some of those managers for you? Uh, as far as managers go, you always look towards, you know, Bobby the Brain Heenan, who's the top of the mountain, always been the top of the mountain, right? Um, and, well, from from, not, well, from when he was there, when I was a kid, you know, he, was, he started from before me when I was watching, so he was always the top there. And just kind of that quick wit and how he interjected himself and how he reacted to things uh, going along. Um, so that was, and you, you can't uh, ever imitate Bobby. You, you can't do that. <laughs> you know, you know, you're going to fail because he was one of a kind. Uh, but, you know, pull from that and see what, you know, uh, you can do based on that. Uh, Johnny Polo, growing up, the, the energy that he always brought um, to, to just that over the top, just rambunctiousness that was, it was great when he was with the Quebecers. Well, that was a hell of a package there. And then uh, Jim Cornette, you know, just watching him and uh, his old promos with uh, Yokozuna um, and then even Owen and uh, Davy Boy, right? It, oh, it, was, it was amazing. It was watching him just work his craft on the microphone while he's getting those talents over. Um, but also, there's a lot that I take from just watching promos of wrestlers too, right? Um, because in, in a promo, it's more how you say things than the actual words you're saying themselves. And in that vein, uh, two of my biggest influences um, were Roddy Piper and Dusty Rhodes, right? Um, Roddy Piper, you know, who I steal the, <laughs> uh, you know, I, 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 I throw that in there. And that's just a really good verbal tip to have um, because you understand what, when, when you're hit with that, there's something that's not right about it. There's something that's a little off, and it adds that element of danger uh, just because while he doesn't look like he's going to harm me, I, there's something that's not right there, right? Um, but Roddy was always great in the microphone, just his, his animation and how he got into things. Um, and then there was Dusty Rhodes, who you had to listen to, right? Whenever Dusty was speaking, you had to listen. You couldn't pull away from it. Um, and he just had that quality of his promos, and one of my favorite promos of all time is the cold-blooded sausage maker. Hey, are you familiar with that one? Have you ever watched that, the cold-blooded sausage maker? You know, you know I've, I'm familiar with a lot of Dusty promos, obviously the Hard Times promo that everybody knows, but I, the, the sausage, no, I'm not, uh, that one's not ringing a bell. So the reason why this is my favorite Dusty promo, because on its own, if you, just, if you were just to script this out, it's probably the most ridiculous thing you'll ever see, right? It's just like, what is this? But when Dusty says it, he, the way he delivers it and the way, the way he presents it, you, you feel it, right? And he's telling the story. He's cutting the promo on Tully Blanchard. And, you, you know, he's saying how um, he tells this story to his, to his kids. And, you know, there's a cold-blooded sausage maker and he's killing all the little piggies. And, and, and in the story, the American Dream, Dusty Rhodes, to his kids, he's the hero. He goes out and saves all the little piggies uh, from the cold-blooded sausage maker. But now... Dusty Rhodes is the cold-blooded sausage maker. And Tully Blanchard, he's a little piggies. And there's nothing that's going to save him. And it's ridiculous, right? <laughs> but when you hear Dusty say that, you know, all I'm thinking is, oh, man, Tully Blanchard's going to get it. And I can't wait. Like, I'm just amped to watch Dusty just beat the snot out of Tully Blanchard, right? Um, and that was that quality that he had, like, when, when you just listening to him talk. Um, and just w with both those guys watch, watching Roddy Piper promo, watching a Dusty Rhodes promo, you just build that into your own craft and say, okay, well, it's not just the words that I'm doing, but it's how I'm going to deliver this, you know, how I'm going to get this point across and how, where I'm going to stress things, where I'm going to accent things, how I'm going to, you know, inflect certain words to kind of grate under the skin and just how to, you know, drive that point home. Um, 
So, yeah, and th there's a lot of great stuff and a lot of great stuff to study. But, yeah, I would say Piper and Dusty Rose as far as promos um, and deliverance of those, uh, that, that's, that, those were my main two influences while, while coming up. Yeah, well, man, those are, those are certainly two great influences to have. And you made a great point that it didn't always matter what they were saying. It was how they were saying it. And like you said, if somebody else had cut that sausage maker promo, it wouldn't have worked. But there were certain guys like Dusty, like Piper. I mean, we could name a lot of guys. The Rock, Paul Heyman, it's, you know, Jim Cornette. It's, it's the way they say things. Although, you know, some of those guys are also very witty as well. Uh, so it is what they're saying and, and the way they're saying it. But a guy like Dusty or Roddy, I mean, they could, you know, what's the old cliche? Like they could recite the phone book, right, and make it entertaining. Oh, absolutely, yeah. And, and I loved, you know, I was a huge Roddy Piper fan uh, growing up. And I thought his promos were so great. But it's like you look back, and they were, but you look back on them now, and it's like there was nothing he said that was particularly funny or clever. Or, I mean, if you just looked at the words written on a piece of paper – uh, it's like, oh, this, this isn't that great. But the way Roddy delivered it, and to your point, the way he did that breathing thing in between and his facial expression. <laughs> exactly. All, that's why it came off as so great because the words weren't, you know, somebody else recited those words. You, uh, well, that, man, that wasn't very funny. That, that's a, he's bombing. But no, because Piper did it that way, um, it was very impressive. And the thing about promos, and I love that we're, you know, pulling back the curtain here a little bit, is, you know, they, they have to tell a story. They're, they're very much structured like a story where you have to catch people's attention at the beginning and they have to have a middle and they have to have an end and they have to have a point because at the end of the day, you're trying to either get over an angle or you're trying to talk people into paying to see a match. So that, those are all things you have to keep in mind as you're doing it. I want to ask you about your uh, specific, like, how do you prepare for a promo? And uh, I'll give you a couple, I'll give you a quick example of me because I've done some managing uh, on the independent circuit and I, I have to sit down and actually think about what I'm going to say, literally write it down, write it out. Uh, I approach it like a writer and, um, and then I look at it and I go over it and I memorize it and I rehearse it and then I go out and deliver it. Uh, I don't like so much going out and um, doing off the cuff. So I'm curious, what is your, uh, how do you, how do you operate typically uh, when you know, okay, I've got to go out and say like, here's my point. I want to say this. And then how do I get to that point? Do you think of it ahead of time? Do you write it down or, or do you go out there and kind of, you know, see where it goes? Yes, um, all of the above. <laughs> okay. um, so when uh, Ricky Bones, when you know, when he does a uh, promo class, right? Um, one of the first things, uh, one of the main points he gets across is, uh, you got eight seconds. Eight seconds is where people have determined whether they're going to listen to you or not, right? So a lot of seconds ago in this in this podcast, people have already decided to turn this off, right? <laughs> They're gone at this point. We've already got, we're well, well past eight seconds. Um, but, and so in that first eight seconds, you got to give them something to pull them, pull them in. So whether that be like a hello, a welcome, you know, just something a little bit off, a little bit odd, something that was like, all right, I got to listen to what this guy's going to say, right? Um, if it's going to be more of an, so, and you prepare for different things too, right? Um, 
obviously, if you're going to be cutting a promo by yourself, you can prepare it a little bit better. You, you're going to choose different words. You're going to move things in and out. You're going to craft it to fit like a 30 or a 60 second window, whatever, um, whatever the boss man, you know, gives you. Because um, you want to hit your time cues. That's so important, right? Because um, you can go out and, I mean, unless you're like the rock of Stone Cold where it's just you get a microphone and go. Um, you know, you, you're going to have some kind of a time constraint because the other because and if you go over that you're taken away from other people it could be the best promo in the world but if it's three minutes long and you were given 30 seconds you're fired you know because cool i'm gonna i'm gonna have somebody that's gonna go deliver that in 30 seconds um so you gotta be mindful of that and so there might be a lot of things you got to get out in 30 seconds so how am i going to get all these main points across so maybe i don't need to get all these details in there but just just hit those main points and you can craft it and structure it if you're going to be with somebody else, if there's going to be another person there, if there's another element, another variable, now you got to go more off the cuff, right? You got to be a, a little bit more, you know, flexible and, and know what you're talking to. And, um, but that's in, in essence what commentary is, right? Commentary is, I, the way I, I, I phrase that, it's like um, cutting a promo at a moving target. So you're sitting there at the desk and, you know, I'm sitting there with uh, Ian and Caprice who are two of the best in the business and, you know, take great care of you when you sit next to them there. Um, uh, but things are happening in, in the ring and you don't know what's going to happen. And you know, you may know some things that are going to occur, but you don't know everything because it's all just right in front of you. It's, and so you can prepare, you have certain notes that you want to hit in your mind, right? Um, okay, I can talk about this. Okay, these are the guys that are involved and I, I, can, I can go with this and I can take this character right here and I can run with this. And especially if the guy's got really good characters, right? If you're dealing with really strong characters, that just becomes easier because you know how a character is going to react to something that you say and probably what they're going to give back to you, right? Um, and you can know how to get under their skin. So if I'm out there with the bouncers, for example, right? I'm going to go, if I want to get under their skin, I might say, oh, Malonis, I saw you drinking a white claw the other day, you know, and that's going to, that's going to get him. That's going to say, okay, now we're off to the races, you know, because right. he's not going to like that. That's, that. That goes against, you know, um, the, the core fibers of his being, right? So you can, you know, to hit those certain notes and you know where you can go to. Um, but. Uh, and this is so that's how you kind of prepare for that. Just like, okay, what am I dealing with? What are the situations I could run into? And just go with it. A lot of times, so it's making if you're off the cuff, it's making it real. Um, you got siblings? Uh, I do have a uh, much older brother, yes. Okay, so I'm guessing that you've cut some amazing, fiery promos on your brother in your lifetime. He pisses you off, he does something stupid, right? Um, something you gotta go, and now you're in trouble, you gotta get him out of a mess, or whatever. Um, that's what happens with all siblings, right? So, <laughs> so I'm assuming you've cut some amazing promos, it's real to you in that, in that moment, right? Um, it's probably the best promos you've ever cut because it's real, you're there, you feel that emotion. And it's very easy to project that and get other people to feel what you're feeling in that moment, right? Um, so that's the other way you can do it too. If you're, out, if you're off the cuff and you're out there, really immerse yourself in that emotion that you're supposed to be hitting, right? If I'm, if I'm going to be cocky and arrogant because I know I can't lose, okay, well, this is going to be fun. <laughs> I'm going to take my shots if I know I can't get hit. Um, if I'm scared, like I, I'm, a, I'm a little guy, so there's going to be oftentimes in the ring I'm outnumbered. I'm going to be really terrified. <laughs> I'm going to find a way to get out of that, right? Um, if I'm in the ring and I'm trying to get something out of somebody, I'm going to use like uh, flattery. Um, 
example, like Maria Canellis, board of directors, right? If I'm in the ring with her and I want something, I, I, I want something to happen in my favor, well, I'm just going to talk about how beautiful and wise and amazing she is. <laughs> and hopefully I'll get my way, right? Um, and and that's, that's, so these are different elements that you can add in there, especially when you're dealing with characters and kind of knowing the emotions you want to hit and where you want to go with it. I guess one of the things about you know, there's been some very entertaining managers, as we mentioned, a guy like a Bobby, the brain or uh, Paul Heyman, certainly Jim Cornette. It's almost like they are so entertaining and have such strong personalities that I guess they have, they always had a delicate balance of at the end of the day, you know, they're not the ones getting in the ring and, and wrestling. So they have to enhance their charges, the guys or girls that they're managing uh, without overshadowing them and becoming bigger than them. So I guess that's like every manager has to sort of be weary of that, right? Like I want to, I want to be entertaining and I want to uh, make people love to hate me. But at the end of the day, I'm not the guy getting in the ring. It's the guy I'm managing. So you, you, you want his personality to show as well. So it's a balance of enhancing and not overshadowing. I mean, is that something that you, you're conscious of? Yeah. So instead of overshadowing, I would phrase it as taken away. Because if you yes. overshadow, you are taken away. So when you're out there, um, and sometimes you do, because you, you, it, it is a line to cross, right? It is a fine line. Um, and while you're trying to enhance, sometimes there are might, maybe some things you do that do take away, right? Um, and so when you go back and you rewatch things, like, okay, um, this was really good, you know, and this was, this was great, but then, oh, I went too far here. Okay. Okay. I probably should have stopped there. This was less was more in this situation. Um, and even on commentary, you go back and you listen to what you've done before and you're going through that. It's like, okay, this was a really, this was a really funny line, but then I just kept it going for, you know, 20 seconds too long. And that, and that kind of just, it, it, it took away that little bit of a pop that, that was going to be really good there. Um, so yeah, it's just how you, uh, that, that's how you got to think of it. It's like, okay, this, this act or this saying or this line or this interjection, this is going to really add to this for these reasons. Uh, but if I do this, this is going to take away from that, right? And so that's, that's that balance. And am I adding or taking away? And so, and hopefully you'll do more adding than taking, nobody's perfect, right? So at some point you are going to wind up taking away something uh, just, just by the nature of it, because you have to be over the top. You have to be in, in people's business. Otherwise, what are you doing out there, right? You got to be that over-the-top character. So there's going to be some moments where you wish you could take back and learn from us. Say, okay, this was too much. Next time, I know I'm not going to hit that. I'm going to stay away from that. Um, and I'm going to focus on, but the, the, these are the good things I did. And hopefully you get better and better at just adding up without really taking away. Right, absolutely. And I guess, you know, it all depends on who the talent is as well. There are certain talents who just, maybe they're not very good on the mic. Uh, or there maybe their personality isn't is is a little more bland, and that mouthpiece can really uh, help them in that way, sort of pick up the slack and be strong where they may be weak. Then you have other talents who, you know, I think of Paul Heyman managing CM Punk. I mean, if anybody didn't need a mouthpiece, right? It's CM Punk. Uh, but then you look at a guy like Brock Lesnar. He did. He needed Paul Heyman to be out there and talk for him. Um, so again, I guess it's all, it's, it's just a case by case basis, you know? Yeah. Where... Absolutely. Well, even more to that point, right. I think the better, a bigger comparison, Bobby, the brain back in the day, you know, you got a guy like Haku, like 
Bobby's got to do a lot for that. He's going to he's going to speak a lot because Haku really wasn't in the microphone a lot, right? And right. he was better not in the microphone because he's a lot more terrifying if he doesn't speak, right? Exactly. Um, <laughs> right. Um, and well, meanwhile, he could be he could have had a great promo, but it's way more terrifying having that mystery and having him not speaking out there. But then Bobby the brain he was with Ric Flair. And he was just along the ride for the entourage, and he made it look great because, of course, Rick would have him in his entourage because Bobby's the best. So why wouldn't he have Bobby the Brain in there, right? Um, so, but he didn't need to be, the, you know, this thing where he was talking all the time and over the top. He was just enough, right? Um, and 1992 Rumble. It's not fair to Flair. Not fair to Flair. So, <laughs> um, my this is probably my favorite call in wrestling history was Gorilla and Bobby, Gorilla and Bobby together. My goodness, what a team! Um, when uh, Ric Flair walks out and Gorilla Monsoon says, "Kiss it goodbye, Brain." <laughs> oh, it was so good, and that was the moment there. But and that's the point. Like you know, in in that instance, he was finding ways to add to Flair. And like, how do you add to Ric Flair? But he found a way to do it. And that's why, you know, he's probably one of the best or the best, right? Um, in that instance. So yeah, absolutely. All right, man. Good, good talk. I love, I know we spent a lot of this podcast sort of, uh, pardon the phrase, busting each other's balls. But I do like uh, segments like this where we can sort of, you know, pull back the curtain a little bit, talk about the art form. Um, and then maybe give people out there listening, you know, kind of an appreciation for uh, the art form of cutting promos and, and helping people get over and all those different things. So uh, good talk. Good talk, Rocco. Uh, we're going to take our final break, though. And uh, when we come back, I'm going to ask Rocco 10 questions. You don't want to miss Oh, that. God. Okay, fine. <laughs> <laughs> this is Moses from Soldiers of Savagery at Ring of Honor Wrestling, inviting you to final battle. Ring of Honor's most, oh, no, no, most savage pay-per-view show of the year. It returned to Baltimore's Chesapeake Employees Insurance Arena on Saturday, December 11th. Final battles available on pay-per-view and streaming live for Honor Club. Keep it locked into ROHwrestling.com and ROH's social media channels for ticket on sale information so you can join us in Baltimore. All right, back on the ROH Strong Podcast, having a very entertaining and enlightening conversation with Rocco. I must say it has been, uh, this has surpassed my expectations, Rocco. I don't, I don't know what expectations you had, but it, is, it has exceeded mine. I would have exceeded your expectation. You should have had nothing but the highest of expectations. You should look at this. Like, you should have circled this on your calendar like, wow, this is going to be a great day. I'm a little, I'm a little uh, disappointed. I'm a little insulted that you, you didn't expect this much. Uh. Well, you know, it's, I've got this weird feeling. It's like um, we never really talked before, but it's almost like deja vu. I feel like we have. I feel like we've. I feel like, you know, maybe in a past life we've had a conversation, but. Uh, uh, once I get in your brain, I'm always on your mind. <laughs> <laughs> All right, Rocco, you ready to play 10 questions? No. Okay. Well, I'm going to ask him anyway. Ah, damn it. I'm All fine. Right. <laughs> and it is now time for 10 questions with Kevin. Question number one. What's something on your bucket list? My bucket list? Uh, these are things you want to do before you die, correct? Yeah, that's correct. Okay. Um, uh, probably managing a Ring of Honor champion. That's what I'm here to do, right? This is uh, hopefully near future. <laughs> correct answer. Yes, I would say that. Any any aspiring manager, that, sh that should definitely be the answer. All right, question number two. 
uh, clearly you're a man who knows a lot of things, okay? But we could all we could always learn more, right? So what's a subject that you'd like to know more about? Oof. Um, oh my goodness. Uh, let me make myself sound smart here. Organic chemistry, yes. I wanna know the ins and the outs of the hydrogens and the oxygens. That would make me sound smart, right? Uh, or, or, organic chemistry, that's a high. Okay. Yeah, that, yeah, I think that could that probably make you sound that's, smart. That's, that's, that's difficult, yes, okay, I could do that. All right, uh, yeah, boy, that would really, that would test your promo skills right there. Talk about that. Right. Okay. It's all, right. all elemental, so you're, you'll, it'll be good. Elemental, okay. All right, question number three. If you could have a conversation with any celebrity or historical figure, past or present, who would it be? Well, uh, you know, I, I we, we we talked about him a lot. Bobby the Brain Heenan probably that would be good. Uh, be a big, be a good conversation. Uh, yeah, for sure. I would think any any manager, anybody who's a current manager in pro wrestling would love to have a, a conversation with Bobby the Brain. I, I just to sit under the learning tree, uh, of course, but also just, man, I guess it would be as entertaining as hell just to talk to Bobby. Oh, <laughs> no doubt. <laughs> All right, question number four. Rocco, we know that you are a man of uh, many talents. Do you have any hidden talents? Is there something about you that, that we don't know that, that you're good at? Uh, something that you don't know? Um, I, I, I do play the alto saxophone. Is that right? Uh, yes, it is right. I wouldn't lie to you. So, you know, so we talked about Roddy Piper earlier. You know, Roddy used to bring the bagpipes to the ring. Might we? Might you incorporate this into uh, your, uh, your your presentation? That's, that's difficult. The intonation of a saxophone in an arena like that. <laughs> bagpipes don't got to be in tune. So, <laughs> you, you, know, you can just go and just, you know. It's like uh, playing hand grenades over there, right? So, uh, maybe. I don't know. We'll see. I could see, you know, Paul Heyman had the uh, the phone back in the day, and you know, Jimmy Hart had the uh, megaphone. I, I could see the the saxophone maybe being used as a weapon. Not, oh no! Oh them. my goodness! Oh, I couldn't do that. Oh, that break my heart. Oh God! <laughs> no, saxophones are way too pricey for that. Way too. Oh man! Uh, yeah, yeah. Phones are a dime a dozen. Megaphones. Are, uh, you, can't, you can't smack somebody with a saxophone. What are you talking about? Oh, God! <laughs> All right, well, break good. my heart breaking that thing. Oh. Yeah, it'd be hide the you know you you talked about you know trying to do things behind Todd Sinclair's back. I mean, hiding the saxophone would be would definitely present a challenge. All right, question number five: Do you have a guilty pleasure? A guilty pleasure? Yeah, you know something that uh, you like, but you you know you might be embarrassed to admit. Well, if I'm embarrassed to admit it, why would I say it on a podcast that hundreds of thousands of people are going to listen to? That don't make any damn sense. <laughs> okay. Well, you know, I think you have a point there. Well, you know yeah, what? I guess I, the answer would be that you're secure enough in who you are that you would admit it. It's a stupid question. You're not going to get a stupid answer. Next. <laughs> All right. Question number six. Well, if you thought that one was stupid, you might you might not like this one either. So then uh, don't ask it. Go I'm to gonna number ask. seven. Because No, no, no. Because maybe you have an answer here. Have you well, ever if you know had it's a, a stupid question, don't ask it. I don't think it's a stupid question. That's why I'm going to ask it. But you may think it's stupid, but I'll ask it. Have you ever had a paranormal experience? And if not, do you believe in the existence of the paranormal? Okay, so here's the thing. Perception is the is how the end user perceives it. 
okay? If you know I'm going to perceive it as a stupid question, then it's a stupid question. Next question. Yeah, I'm going to put that as a no, does not believe in the paranormal. All right, question number seven. What show are you currently binge-watching binge or most recently binge-watched? Um, I, I just got through the Squid Game on uh, Netflix. Good? That was okay. All right, question number eight. Um, and I don't want you to take this the wrong way and think that I tailored this just for you, but what's your favorite mob movie? Favorite mob movie? Um, yeah, you know, a uh, gangster flick, uh, mafia movie. Oh, I would uh, probably a, a, a Bronx Tale. Ah, De Niro. Yes, De Niro was in that one. That was uh, been a while since I've seen it, but that was that was pretty good. And uh, oh, you should go watch. You should go watch it again. Was that Chad? Go do that, go, go do that today. I think that was Chaz Palminteri as well, maybe? I don't know. It's been a while. All right. Question number nine. Do you have a favorite sports team? Oh, Kansas City Chiefs. Bada boom. <laughs> wow. I, I would have bet anything that you were going to say the New York Yankees. Ah, the Yankees are good, but I've always been a Chiefs fan ever since I was a little kid. So now we got Mahomes, and life is good. Okay. Well, okay, so uh, – Chiefs fan since a little kid. See, I thought you were going to say, I thought you were a front runner. I thought ever since Mahomes got there and they won a Super Bowl that, that you jumped on, but you actually liked the Chiefs going going way back. That's Well, I was, a front, I was a front runner when I was a kid, and I, when Joe Montana joined the Chiefs, that's when I became a fan. Um, and then I suffered through the next 25 years of, you know, Steve Bono and Elvis Gerback and uh, Tyler Thigpen. Damon Hewitt, God bless his heart, uh, he was like our Ryan Fitzpatrick, right? So we, we, we always liked Damon Hewitt even though he couldn't breach four wins a season. Um, um, <laughs> you know, but then all the way through, and then the Todd Haley years, my goodness. Ugh. Oh. Um, yeah, that was that was rough. And then, uh, But now, you know, things are good. We got Reed, we got Mahomes, we got Kelsey, we got, you know, we got a lot, a lot of good people. Got a lot of good people here. Yeah. Although they're, they're struggling a little bit this year, but I think uh, they'll, they'll probably. I'll be fine. Get, yeah, get all your losses out Get all the losses out of the way early. You know, when they uh, when the Chiefs won the Super Bowl, they had four losses. So it's it's good. Um, a lot of, so lot of get them out of the yeah, a lot of talent there, no doubt about it. But yeah. I tell you, before we go into question number ten, you said a name there that that brought back a lot of bad memories for me as a Baltimore Ravens fan, and that's Elvis Gerbach. Well, yeah, you should have known better than to sign him. I don't know uh, what we, tell you. <laughs> uh, we should have. But you know what? Thing was, he, a quick story here for you know we'll bore people with this. I don't know if they care, but. The Ravens won the Super Bowl in 2000, but we did it with Trent Dilfer as a quarterback. We had a <laughs> yeah a record-setting defense. The defense basically said, hey, if you guys score 10 points, we'll win, right? Because we're not giving up with 10 points. And so that's basically what happened. Trent Dilfer was asked to do very little. So after the season, the Ravens decided, you know what? The odds of us having a record-setting defense, like a historic defense, again, might not be uh, likely. So let's go out and get a better quarterback. And they chose Elvis freaking Gerback, who was so bad, he quit at the end of the year. He retired. Well, yeah, well, I mean, you, you, you thought that Elvis Gerback was better. That was your first mistake there. So. <laughs> yeah. You know what? You know what my first clue should have been is, like, I, people reached out to me who were Kansas City Chiefs fans and said, trust us, you're not going to like this guy. Yeah, yeah. Uh, speaking of, our, our teams had a really good game. Did you, uh, did you watch the game earlier this season with the Ravens and the Chiefs? Uh, the the one that the Ravens won thirty six thirty five. Yes, I was. Yes. Actually, oh, I was, what I was a game! There. Oh, was you there. were there. Oh, I'm so yeah. jealous. What a game! I love that game so much. 
Um, and I wasn't even mad because it's fourth and one and it, to, to finish it, right? And um, if you give Mahomes the ball back, you lose. And you know this. No so you, you had to go for it in fourth and one. And I was just so impressed at making the correct call there. And just, I wasn't even mad. It was an epic game. It was so much fun. Oh, I, you live for games like that. That was, yeah. I'm so happy you were there. That's, oh, I'm jealous of you. I wish I could have been there with you. Yeah, was it, was, it was one of the most fun games I had ever been at. But God, I couldn't look on, on that fourth and one because we were in our own territory. But like, you really had, if you're the Ravens, you had to do it. And that's the ultimate respect for Patrick Mahomes is oh, man. you knew. See, the thing is, you can't, like, I, I, you can't get too wrapped up in wins and losses because having the entire game riding on one yard with like right. 30 seconds left, that's what you live for. That's Those are those moments, right? Like, don't, don't get too wrapped up in the wins and losses. Just enjoy it because, you know, what a game. That was, even, even as a Chiefs fan, I just... That was probably my favorite game so far this season. I loved it. It was so much, it was so much fun. So good. Well, as a Chiefs fan, you you could you know you, you had taken what you'd beaten us three straight times. So, we needed for that. We needed. We needed. All right, all right. Question number ten: What's something that's popular that you don't see the appeal of? You just can't figure out why people like this so damn much. Uh, um. I guess all the, the the TikTok stuff. I guess. Yeah. It, yeah. It's yeah. I I I don't. Yeah. No, no, thank you. Yeah, I'm with you on that. In fact, yeah. I've asked that question on just about every podcast, and that has been the most frequent answer is is TikTok. So we know this. So uh, all, all you Ring of Honor fans, don't use TikTok. Yeah, here you go. This is what we're this is what we're trying to tell you. I don't think we want to say that because I I don't think don't, no don't don't listen to that because I think Ring of Honor has a has a TikTok account. <laughs> Why do we do that? So so we want you, we want you to uh, to to do the TikTok. It's just Rocco oh, and okay. I and, and a lot only, of only only subscribe to Ring of Honor on TikTok. Don't look that's, at anything else. Just just look at eyes. Exactly. Well, speaking of uh, like social media and things like that, uh, where can people follow you? People follow me huh, wherever I may go. Uh-huh. <laughs> um, is the uh, is, is it a Metallica song? I think so. I don't try it on me. Uh, something like that. Uh, whatever. Um, but uh, no, uh, uh, Twitter and Instagram um, uh, at Rocco told you so. So I've, I've pretty much given up on Facebook at this point. I don't need that. But uh, yeah, Instagram and Twitter at Rocco told you so. Okay. And your one eight hundred Rocco number has that been? Uh... Have you gotten the, the bugs worked out with that thing? Is it, is it back up and running or, uh, or no? Yeah, go ahead and call it. See what happens. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, hey, Rocco, I know uh, we got off to a little bit of a rocky start here. Uh, you know, you didn't like some of my questions, but uh, ultimately, I think this turned out to be, as I said earlier, an enlightening and entertaining conversation. I appreciate you giving me your time today. Well, hopefully you learn from this and uh, don't ask stupid questions in the future. It'd be nice. And uh, well, thank you for having me. It was good, it was good, 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 good to have this little chat. All right. And I want to thank everyone for listening and remind you that a new episode of the ROH Strong Podcast drops every Monday morning on ROHWrestling.com and most podcast platforms. Keep it locked into ROHWrestling.com and ROH's social media channels. That's at Ring of Honor on Twitter and Instagram, Facebook.com slash Ring of Honor for news regarding upcoming episodes. Also, for the latest ROH news and views, you can read my column, X-Files, Rocco Never Misses It. That's every Friday on ROHWrestling.com. Until next time, this is Kevin X saying, stay safe, and let's all be ROH strong.